This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Don't expect the chip shortage to get better anytime soon. Many analysts expected it to get resolved or at least back close to normal by the end of the year. But the CEO of Integrated Microelectronics, a chip maker based in the Philippines, says the shortage will last at least a year because demand is through the roof. So it should come as no surprise that Toyota is cutting its production forecast by 300,000 units because of the chip shortage and COVID disruptions in the Southeast Asia area. That's a pretty significant cut and is the equivalent of taking an entire assembly plant offline for a full year. Auto Forecast Solutions reports that Hyundai is going to stop making the Sonata at its plant in the U.S., Imported Sonatas from South Korea for the U.S. market are already up about 7,000 units for a 266% increase this year. We reached out to Hyundai Motor Manufacturing of America for a comment, and it said, quote, HMMA will continue to build the Sonata for the foreseeable future. That plant in Montgomery, Alabama is getting awfully full. It currently makes the Sonata, Elantra, Tucson, Santa Fe, and Santa Cruz. Moving the Sonata out of the plant would free up capacity for the CUVs and pickup, which have a higher profit margin. We've also got to wonder if Hyundai would move the Elantra out as well. Imports of the Elantra are up 50% this year. Well, it's not that often that a designer breaks out of their role into other areas of the company which is why we were surprised to see that Luke Donkerwolka, who is the Hyundai Group's chief creative officer, will also be the chief brand officer for Genesis. So not only will he be the guy in charge of design, but as the head of communications, Donkerwolka can essentially design the image of the brand, which Genesis hopes will increase its awareness and create a consistent and refined brand experience. If the name Luke Donkerwolka is new to you, we've reported on him several times in the past as the guy who criticized Lincoln about the Continental looking too much like a Bentley when he was a top designer at Bentley back in 2015. We had the non-hybrid Toyota Avalon come through the Autoline garage, and it's a nice, conservative car, but it's not the kind of sedan that pulls at your heartstrings. We had the 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine with an 8-speed automatic and all-wheel drive. The setup is fine and provides power when you need it, but it did feel a bit sluggish, and the engine was a little buzzy when you pushed it. The fuel economy is pretty decent for a large sedan with all-wheel drive, 28 MPG combined. The exterior styling is very mainstream, and the interior design isn't all that exciting either, but it does have a premium feel to it. However, those aren't really a concern once you get behind the wheel and are out on the open road. It has a nice, comfortable ride. 
The only thing that disappointed us was the 9-inch touchscreen. The hot, humid, muggy weather we drove the Avalon in seemed to slow down the display until the AC cooled down the interior. The non-hybrid Avalon starts at just under $37,000, but the model we drove costs nearly $45,000, including destination charges. You know, people used to joke that the Avalon was the best Buick ever made. But Buick doesn't make sedans anymore, and Toyota is going to follow suit. The Avalon goes out of production next year. The smart brand is going all electric, and it wants to go more upscale. We'd say its newest concept, called the Concept Number 1, sure looks the part. The small four-door crossover has a clean, minimalistic design, both inside and out. The exterior is highlighted by a floating roof, large trapezoidal grills set low on the bumper, and triangular light housings that are connected by a long, thin bar, which is the same front to rear. There really seems to be some influence from Mercedes on the interior, and we think that's highlighted by the oval vents in the middle of the dash set next to one another. A large floating screen sits right above the vents, and appears like Tesla to be the only display for the vehicle. While the concept number one still feels like a concept without any door handles and featuring big chunky tires, Smart says it's a preview of a production model. And you may remember in March of 2019, Daimler and Geely announced a new joint venture for the Smart brand that would see its vehicles assembled in China. This is the first vehicle to come from that. Geely will do the development and engineering, while Mercedes will handle the design. The current Chevy Silverado came out in 2019, but it's already getting a significant refresh. It also gets a ZR2 off-road model for the first time. That model shares components from the prototype Silverado ZR2 that's racing in the Best in the Desert series. That includes the 6.2-liter V8 that cranks out 420 horsepower and 460 pound-feet of torque. It's mated to a 10-speed automatic transmission and is available with terrain mode, which allows for one-pedal rock climbing. You just take your foot off the accelerator and the truck comes to a stop. Other ZR2 features include Multimatic DSSV spool valve dampers, off-road chassis and suspension calibrations, plus 33-inch tires. Moving on to the other trims in the lineup, they all get a new front fascia and grille. LT trims and above get a redesigned interior with a new 13.4-inch touchscreen. Super Cruise is now offered and can be used when towing a trailer. However, it's only available for high country models. Chevy also enhanced the 2.7-liter Turbo 4, which delivers 20% more torque, and it boosted the towing capacity of the 3-liter Duramax diesel by 4,000 pounds to a total of 13,300 pounds. Pricing for the new Silverado will be revealed closer to when it hits showrooms in the first quarter of 2022. How long can traditional automakers hang on to their ICE operations? John has something to say about that right after this. Mobility is becoming electric, connected, and autonomous, just like the manufacturing world. But we'll always be one thing, a reliable partner for our customers.
We want to know what drives your testing. OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. The internal combustion engine is in the sunset of its existence. How long it's going to be around is something we can debate, but with so many countries banning sales of new cars with piston engines within a decade, the end is in sight. Now the questions for the OEMs are, how do you wind down your traditional powertrain operations? Volvo Cars is going all electric by 2030, so it spun off its ICE operations that included R&D, engineering, procurement, IT, and manufacturing. It formed a joint venture with its parent company, Geely, which will make ICEs for Geely and whoever else wants to buy them. In North America, GM, Ford, and Stellantis build about 8 million engines and transmissions a year. Roughly 90% of that production overlaps, meaning they're all building engines with very similar displacements and transmissions with the same number of gears. Merging their powertrain units would eliminate that duplication and slash costs dramatically. It would create the largest powertrain company in the world, and it could sell engines and transmissions back to the OEMs at a lower cost than they could make in-house. From a marketing standpoint, it would be relatively easy. The vast majority of American car buyers can't even tell you what kind of engine or transmission they have under the hood of their car. Even more importantly, they really don't care. There are exceptions. Hardcore enthusiasts care deeply about the powertrains in their cars, but they only account for about 10% of the car buyers, if that. So the OEMs could keep their performance engines in-house, like GM's LS and LT engines, Chrysler's Hemi, and Ford's Coyote. The best way to do all of this would be to form a separate company. It could not be done collaboratively because each automaker would be arguing that its engines and transmissions are the best, and those arguments would go on for years. This calls for a separate, standalone company that can make the hard-nosed decisions of what stays and what goes. A merger like this would instantly free up cash and resources that could go into electrification, autonomy, and connectivity. Wall Street would reward the move because it would take billions of capital off the books. Their stock would jump on the news. It would work for European and Japanese automakers, too. There's even more of them, so they have even more overlap. I know this is a radical idea, but it only sounds radical today. By the end of this decade, as ice plant closings become ever more common, radical solutions will start to look like common sense. But why wait until the end of the decade? The savings are ready for the taking right now. Anyway, that's the way I see it, and I hope you've enjoyed this week's worth of reports. Thanks for watching, and have a great weekend. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game. Scheffler, we pioneer motion. And by Magna. Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.